Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bond with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies coming to you live Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. until 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. Good to have you today, and just uh, uh, thank you for joining us. If you're joining us for the very first time, we just want to uh, welcome you. If you're listening to this by uh, maybe a tape delay or uh, your iPod or, or, or some other type of medium like that, uh, we, are, we are in our uh, teaching on the book of Romans, an expository teaching. I believe today is going to be lesson number 57. Can you believe it? We've been here 50, 57 hours of teaching on this. And if you have not been here for the previous lessons and you'd like those, you can actually go to our website, which is www.biggrace.com. Dot com and click on Raven Institute and it'll take you to a page that you can actually download all the previous 56 lessons uh, onto your computer in MP3 format. Those things are absolutely free. There's no charge for that download or anything else. Take them, use them any way that you want to use them uh, in any way. So we're glad to, to have you today. Uh, also, the daily broadcast, I put those on our, our blog spot, which is www.ravenoutreach.com. Dot blogspot.com, ravenoutreach.blogspot.com, and you can go and get the, the daily lessons. Every morning we teach the class, and by the afternoon I'll have those up, or you can download those as well. And like I said before, you can click on Raven Institute off of biggrace.com and get the up-to-date information on that. And don't forget, on Tuesdays, which today just happens to be a Tuesday, I don't know when you're going to be listening to this, but you folks that are listening live, we have the Raven Nation program every Tuesday night from 8.30 until 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time as well. And it's a time of praise and worship, uh, intercessory prayer, uh, announcements, just different things coming out of the news and a, and a word from the Lord Jesus. So I encourage you uh, to be with uh, myself and Pastor Alex Hill on Tuesday nights as well for the Raven Nation broadcast. We have folks literally from all across the world that join with us on that as well. So it would be good to, to have you in that. Uh, God's doing some neat things. We'll be testifying about that. If you have prayer requests on Tuesdays, please email them to me. I'm Pastor Troy. And you can email them at raven at biggrace.com. Raven, R-A-V-E-N, at B-I-G-G-R-A-C-E dot com. And we want our international team of intercessors to pray for you. We get good, great reports back every single week of God just doing amazing things in people's lives. And uh, we're expecting your miracle to happen. We're expecting to believe God for you and to see God give you the breakthrough that you need. Uh, many people call or email and are praying for the salvation of family members or children or whatever else. And so if you have any prayer requests, be sure and email them to me before 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesdays. And we'll be glad to get those live on the air and pray for those type of things. But God is doing some neat things. Uh, also, I, I want to announce this. Periodically, you can go onto our website and you click on Raven Nations. You can see things that are happening with our various teams across the country as well. If you are in one of those areas, they would love to connect with you in some type of way, uh, uh, either for worship or if you're doing an outreach and they can assist in any type of way or we can lend a hand in any way as well. We'd love to do that. We also teach a Raven uh uh, ministries uh, School of Evangelism that we're available to come into your church or fellowship and and teach your people and take them out on the streets and just really invest in you the things that have been invested in us and so you can get that information off of our website as well so any of those things that we could do to be a benefit to you uh, we don't we're not looking for honorariums or or uh, notoriety or or you to write us a check to do it. That's not even our motivation. Our motivation is extending the, the kingdom of God through the preaching of the gospel and seeing souls 
come uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. So any way we can do that, uh, even when it costs us, that's that's our desire and that's our heart because we know that even though the gospel is free, it comes with a great price. And that price many times is us just being willing and obedient to go and preach the Word of God. And so uh, anytime we can help you in any way, uh, and like I said, I feel those emails literally every single week for people that are wanting to get involved or people that are doing something and we can lend a hand or support just a little bit of advice on those type of things. We want to do that and uh, be a part of that as well. So encourage it. Keep in contact. We want to know what's happening with you and what your testimonies are. If you're a minister, if you've got a church or whatever else, tell us what's going on in your church. Tell us what's happening there. Give us, give us some good testimonies. We love, we love to, to, to hear how God is moving all across the world and uh, we'd love to share it with our audience that is here as well. And so... Uh, Let's pray this morning and just believe God for a, a great time of, of ministry and, and studying the Word. And just, just God will just uh, begin to, to speak to us in a powerful way today. Father, we just thank You for Your mercy. We thank You for Your love. We thank You, Lord God, for the understanding, Lord God, that You give us of Your Word through the person of the Holy Spirit. I thank You that the Word of God says that Your Spirit will lead and guide us into all truth. And when Jesus went, he said it's expedient that he should go, that he could send us another comforter. And I thank you, Lord God, that the comforter is the person of the Holy Spirit that has come to take up residence in our hearts and lives. And I thank you, Lord God, that, that he's the one that opens our eyes, that he gives us understanding, and he provides, Lord God, that source of wisdom. And so, Father, this day, in the name of Jesus, we just come to you, Lord God, with a humility of heart. Lord God, confessing that the, the, the more we think we know, the, the, the more we realize that we do not know. Lord God, when we stand in your presence, Lord God, and in your righteousness, we're like Isaiah, Lord God. We're, we're undone, Lord God, by who you are. And Father, I, we, we know that no flesh shall glory in your presence, Lord God. Any shred of righteousness, Lord God, that we're in possession of is strictly, Lord God, because of our faith in the shed blood of your Son, Jesus. That righteousness has been imputed, has been deposited into our accounts, Lord God, because of our repentance and our faith towards God and our trust in you and our abiding, Lord God, in that place of fellowship and relationship. And Lord God, today we just ask you to search us, Lord God, try us, Lord God, know our hearts. Lord God, if there be any wicked way within us, anything that would be a stumbling block to us, Lord God, or those that we would speak to, or Lord God, those that we would be, Lord God, literally a living epistle and a testament of your goodness, Lord God, if there be anything within us that would be hindrance, Lord God, to the preaching of the gospel or of our testimony, Lord God, we just ask that you expose those things, that we can lay those things down at your feet, Lord God, and, and, and have those things removed from our life by the precious blood of Jesus. I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord God, throughout the world. I pray for those, Lord God, that are in struggling countries, Lord God, that are suffering great and enormous persecution, Lord God. Those that are in the underground churches and the house churches of China, Lord God. Those that are combating, Lord God, radical Islam, Lord God, in places like India and Pakistan, Lord God, and, and Afghanistan. Father, we pray for those. We pray for those those in, in nations like Iran and Iraq, Lord God, and, and in different nations, Lord God, in Africa. We pray for those, Lord God, that literally their, the profession of their faith and their testimony, Lord God, of Jesus is it could literally be a death sentence upon them every single day. And Father, we pray, Lord God, for strength and endurance, Lord God. Father, even as, as, as Jesus said of Peter, He said, Satan desires to sift you like wheat. But we pray that you have faith and that you faint not. Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters 
Lord God, all throughout the world, Lord God, especially those persecuted nations, Lord God. And we pray, Lord God, that they would have faith, Lord God, and they would faint not, Lord God. Lord God, they, we're, we're not their teachers, Lord God, or their examples. They are our examples, Lord God. Father, they're our shining examples, Lord God, are not just talking about the, the, the faith, they're talking about the truth, Lord God, but they're having to live those things on a daily basis, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, for the testimony of lives, Lord God, that are genuine, Lord God, that are not churchianity, but it's genuinely, Lord God, a reflection of, Lord God, your church. Lord God, you said you're coming back for church without spot or blemish. And it's a, it's a church, Lord God, and a people willing to lay themselves down, Lord God, their very own lives down for the sake of the gospel. So we pray for them. We pray, Lord God, for, for, for strength. We pray for encouragement. We pray for provision. We pray for tremendous opportunities, Lord God, for those that are being held captive by places like the Taliban, Lord God. We pray for an opportunity that they would speak, Lord God, that that that. that that an outpouring of your spirit would take place among their captors, Lord God, and they would get saved. It'd be no different, Lord God, than when Paul and Silas, Lord God, began to, to cry out to you and praise you, Lord God, in the prison cells, Lord God, that, that even their captors, captors, Lord God, were saved. Father, why not today? We pray for that type of miracle to take place. And I pray, Lord God, for the church here in, the, in North America and the United States and Canada. Lord God, we that have become lazy, Lord God, in our faith. We that have become, Lord God, uh, almost like an entitlement generation, Lord God, of churchianity. We, we, we feel like we're entitled to all these things, but there's no, there's no responsibility on our part. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for persecution to come upon the American church in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord God, Father, for the, for, Lord God, for, for churches that, that have become Laodicean-like and saying that we are increased with goods, we have need of nothing, Lord God. Father, I pray that the bottom of their finances would fall out, Lord God, so the top of their faith could be realized. Lord God, those that put faith, Lord God, in, in things apart from you, Lord God, and in, 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 in charismatic personalities, Lord God, or in, 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 in financial donors, or whatever it is, Lord God. Father, I pray that the bottom would literally fall out of those things, that Jesus Christ might be glorified, that we might see you as our provider, we might see you as our hope and as our glory and as our, our healer, Lord God. Father, we know that you're coming back, Lord God, uh, for a church without spot or blemish, that you might present unto yourself, Lord God, a glorious church. And Father, we're praying, Lord God, whatever it takes to get your church, Lord God, looking and acting, Lord God, and living like the church, Lord God, that Jesus Christ died for, Lord God, you'll begin to do those things. Father, we confess, Lord God, that we are not able in and of ourselves. We need your help. We are altogether desperate for you this morning, Lord God. We have not arrived by no means, Lord God. But what we want to do today, Lord God, is forget those things that are behind and press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I pray for my brothers and sisters that are physically ill in their bodies. I thank you, Lord God, that by your stripes that we have been healed, that Jesus took that, that, that sickness and that infirmity upon his body, Lord God, upon the cross of Calvary. And there is provision made, Lord God, in the atonement, Lord God, for our healing and our restoration, regardless of the disease, the severity, Lord God, or the simplicity of it, Lord God. You're well able, Lord God, to, to heal and to touch, Lord God, because your hand is not shortened today. And we thank you for all these things, and we declare it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Okay, folks, we left off... Uh, Actually, the last couple of days, we've had two classes on. If you have not got those, you need to get those. We, my, my brother and the Lord had asked the question concerning, you know, we use that terminology a lot of times in this program, uh, the false church or the apostate church. And, and, and for the last uh, two days, this past Friday's message in, in class and yesterday's class, we devoted really to this answering that question and, and trying our best, you know, and, and as clumsy as, as, as my attempt probably was, 
to kind of give some parameters or something to gauge what the church is all about. And, and if you have not got those, uh, you can go and listen to those things. And, and really, I'll just give you kind of a summary of it. There, there was, there's a picture, something that God gave us that the church ought to look like. With, with any type of thing that you get, there is a, there's a, an instruction book. And God, fortunately, has given us those instructions and has, and has given us very vivid imagery and requirements of what His church should look like. When He, when he, when he, when he established it and the things that He put on a priority. And, and the good news is, is we have the four Gospels, we have the epistles that were written that were that very striking definitions and uh, examples of the early church. And one of the things that, that we determined in our two teachings is that the early church uh, was a church of soul winners. It was a church that was comprised of fishers of men. From the time Jesus called His disciples, uh, the, the one promise that He made them, come and follow Me and I'll make you fishers of men. It was a church that, that everyone had the responsibility to reproduce. We see in Paul's letter to the church of Corinth, both letters, that he spoke to them about making them ministers of reconciliation, which is salvation, and, minister, and ambassadors for Christ, or representatives of the message of the cross uh, uh, for this world. And, and we've been told throughout the Word of God that that's our responsibility. And so we kind of summed up that really the, the, the primary thing that sets the church of the Lord Jesus Christ apart from any, anything else is that it's a reproducing, soul-winning church. Now, so many times we begin to identify or begin to define, I guess would be a better word for it, uh, evangelism is, you know, we use terms like outreach ministry, we use terms like evangelism, we use things like missions. Uh, really, folks, I think all those terminologies do is they seek to dilute, really, the responsibility that we have as believers. Because those are not things that we do as a ministry. Those are things that we do as, as who, because of who we are. They're not what we do. They are who we are. Soul winning is not something the church should do. It's something the church should be. That we don't do soul winning. We are soul winners by our very nature of the rebirth. That we come to Christ Jesus, that there is a, there's a, a spiritual posterity that comes into our lives through the preaching of the gospel to take that seed of God's word and plant it into other people's lives. Now, if there's not a, if there's an absence, is an absence of that seed or that reproduction, we've got to begin to, to question uh, really the validity of that relationship. I want to, I want to say this. I did not say this in that. I believe, I believe it's uh, it'd be good to say. You know, you take a you take a child for instance, a child. Uh, uh, say a young a young a girl when she's when she's first born, she does not immediately have the capacity to reproduce. There there is a growth process that comes into her life. There's a releasing of certain hormones and things that she passes through that, that puberty, and then she has the ability to reproduce. And the same thing with a young man. The young man has to develop and go through that puberty to have those type of things. And and so I believe that same thing can be said for for people. But I believe something has happened and because of the fear of leaders or maybe just ignorance uh, because of the teachings and traditions for generations, there's been literally a stifling of the growth of the body of Christ that is that has served to uh, uh, literally to, uh, what's, a, what's a word for it, to uh, sterilize and, and to make the church unable to reproduce. And it's, 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 a, it's a devastating thing. I was reading an article recently about a woman that... Uh, that was sterilized. Her family had her uh, sterilized because she was in, in kind of a, a physical situation where she really didn't know where she was, but she was in a kind of a home. And they were afraid that, you know, in that home that she was vulnerable and somebody would rape her and she would reproduce. And so they took this young woman in her 20s and they sterilized her so she wouldn't accidentally reproduce. And, you know, as sad as that is, 
that, that's exactly what is happening within the church. There's been this, this sterilization process that has gone on for generations and generations. You know, when people like George Barna will do a, a, a survey and they'll find that, that nearly 96 or 97% of professed believers uh, have never personally won someone to the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, it is widespread. It is, it is epidemic proportions when those type of things happen. So uh, our job is to reproduce. And so really one of the gauges is, and one of our responsibilities, even as a ministry, you know, our, our ministry is called RAVEN. It's an acronym for Restoring a Vision evangel- to Evangelize Nations. And that's our goal, is to restore that vision back into the church because where there's no vision, the people perish. And without the vision, without the vision to reproduce and to, to win souls to the kingdom, whether that's on a street corner, whether that's in a jailhouse, or whether that's across the, the backyard fence talking to your neighbor, that should be the passion and that should be the, 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 the everything that we, we wake up for and, and live for should be to point more people to Jesus Christ. We talked about what about discipleship? What about teaching our youth? What about founding people in the Word of God? Absolutely. But we disciple people to make them soul winners. We, we found them in the Word of God so that they will be soul winners. And so the, the fruit of being founded in the Word of God is a soul winner. I, I love what the great preacher uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon said. He said there's two types of Christians, soul winners and backsliders. And I, and I, I really believe that it's totally uh, affirmed throughout the Word of God that we're either reproducing after His kind or we're reproducing after our own kind, which would be fear, doubt, and unbelief. And so uh, get those two lessons, and I just want to throw a couple things on top of that as well. But we left off chapter 5 of our Roman teaching by looking into the issue of sin being imputed or deposited into the human race through the fall of Adam. Uh, Adam's sin literally served kind of as a type of a passed-on trait towards this spiritual, if you'll remember, we talked about a spiritual congestive heart failure and all the things that they, uh, they encompass. And I believe you can go back to like Lesson 54 and, and get that. If you, not that. But you need to get that. Is it Lesson 54? Lesson 54 on uh, congestive spiritual heart failure, which is, a, is one you do not want to miss on that. And so uh, the result of Adam's sin is, is that every single individual born of him has been placed literally on heaven's donor list. That you know, when when you have someone that is that is suffering some some type of organ failure, they're placed upon a donor's list, and many times that list is very long and it's very difficult and it's very costly uh, to to move towards the top of that list. But there's there's something interesting. We all need to know this: is that the difference in this donor list or heaven's donor list is that the effective person is not waiting on the new heart, but that the new heart is waiting on the effective person. Do I need to say that again? In heaven's donor list. The affected person is not waiting on the new heart, but in heaven, the new heart is waiting on the affected person. Folks, listen. In Christ Jesus, every single one of us are, are given the promise of a brand new heart. And, and here's the deal. And, and, I, and I, I teach this, and I'm not going to go into great detail this morning. But the thing about it is, the Word of God talks to us about repentance. And repentance literally is the, the moral compunction to think differently. It's changing your mind to think in a different way. All sin that we commit, folks, it doesn't just take place out here. We don't stumble into sin. We don't just fall into sin. It is always something that the Word of God says that it's conceived right here in our mind, in our thought life. And so any sin that, that comes out and manifests itself, it's here. You know, I've talked to people before that said, well, what would happen to a guy that, you know, he's lived a, a virtuous life, he's, he's walked with Jesus, and, and all of a sudden he, just, he falls into adultery, and maybe he dies right after that. And I said, well, no one falls into adultery. 
It is, it's, he's, he's led away by his own lust. He's enticed. And when that is conceived, it brings forth death. No man just wakes up and says, Man, I wonder how I ended up with this strange woman in my bed. That does not happen. It's, he's led away by his own lust. You may not see the things that are happening superficially or under the surface, but those things are, are working in, in the heart of an individual. That's why Jesus said that a man that looks at a woman to lust after his eyes, he's already committed adultery in his heart. Has he already committed the act? No. But he's already set himself up uh, for for the, the enemy or for Satan to tempt him should the opportunity arise to do those type of things. And so what you what you have there is is is, is mankind is in a fallen state. He's in a, in a state where he's he's in desperate need of, of Christ Jesus to come in and change and transform his life. And so what the word does, it promises is that new life. It promises that that that, that we don't have to, to, to continue to, to fall on the thing of I'm just falling into sin or, or, or rest on the excuses of those things. But we can have the victory in Christ Jesus according to what is it, first John five four, that we have a, a victory that overcomes and it is our faith in him. But here's the thing, folks. God will never change our mind for us. And I want to say that. We always think, you know, God just, uh, I, want, I want you to, to give me new thoughts. I want you, what, 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 what happens is, is God tells us, listen, I'm going, to, I'm going to convict you. I'm going to send grace. I'm going to send my divine influence upon your heart and upon your mind. And I'm going to, I'm going to show you something. Because inside of us, folks, we don't have the, the ability to produce anything but self-righteousness, which is filthy rags. We don't, we don't have it. There's not a, there's not a shred or, a, or a, 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 a morsel or a crumb of righteousness uh, or anything redeemable within our lives. And so, before we come to Christ Jesus, listen, we are morally destitute. We have suffered congestive heart failure, and we are totally on borrowed time in the grace and mercy of God. But when the grace of God comes into our life and begins to convict us, what does it do? It is like a light shining into the midst of darkness. And so, as that light comes into our life, basically it provides the contrast. It shows us that we're in darkness but there is a great light that has come. And that, that light has become, according to, to John 1, the light of men. And it's that, 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 that light who is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that, that light comes in and we have a choice then to change our mind. He, he, he illuminates our mind. And John 3 says, but this is the condemnation, or this is the eternal judgment, that man loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And so God comes in. He gives us something to think about. He gives us a, a situation. When you go out and witness or you go out and share the Word of God, what you're doing is you're taking the Word of truth and you're taking that light. The Word is a lamp into our feet and a light. And you are shining it into darkness. Now, what happens with that, once you shine that light, ceases to be your responsibility. Folks, we have no ability beyond our responsibility. Do you hear what I'm saying? We have no ability to change or transform anyone, including ourselves, beyond our responsibility to share that Word or to take that light and to shine it. Whatsoever things are made manifest are made manifest by the light, and these things are light. And so we shine that light into those darkened places, and it illuminates their thinking. It gives them the ability to think clearly, momentarily, to make that decision. Now, if we're willing to change our mind, what happens is it does, it gives God the ability or gives God the, 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 uh, the opportunity or the permission because we are free will moral agents. God didn't create a bunch of robots and said, you know what? Okay, these are going to be the good ones. These are going to be the bad ones and they don't have any choice. No, He gives us the opportunity to, to choose Him to, to, and when He shines His light into our lives, we, we have that, that contrast to pick. And so what He does when He illuminates our mind and we choose Him, then what it does, it gives God permission to change our hearts. Folks, listen. God will never change your mind for you, 
but you can never change your own heart. Paul the Apostle tells us that a heart is deceitful and wicked above all things, and who can know it? The, our heart is inherently wicked. Our heart is inherently evil. And, and left to, uh, to do our own thing, we're going to walk into those, that type of devastation. We're going to walk into the calamity of sin. How do I know that? I can, I can look at the Word of God. I can look that once Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden, between the time period that, 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 that Adam was, uh, was, was expelled from the garden and, and they had to begin to, to toil in the ground and things began to happen, they began to, 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 to replenish the earth, until the time of the law of Moses was about a period of about 2,600 years. What, what happened during that period? I mean, the sin and debauchery got went so rampant that literally the, the world had to be destroyed by flood. Why? Because they were left to themselves. Proverbs tells us that a child left to themselves will bring a mother to shame. It's the same thing with us as children. Left to ourselves, without the conviction, without the Word of God, without the parameters established in our lives through the Holy Spirit, we will bring our Father to shame. We will bring shame upon ourselves. We will bring our creator, shame upon our Creator. And, and so what He's done, He's come in to, and, and influenced us to change our minds that He can change and transform our hearts. And folks, really the, the fruit and the manifestation of a changed heart is a changed, changed fruit in a person's life. You know, prior to, to coming to Christ Jesus... Try as I might to do good because I had a family that was telling me to do good or I had teachers or people around me that were telling me to do good. I did not have that ability. I was lost and without hope. And we, we see this in Romans 5.12. It says, Wherefore, as by one man's sin, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And so we talked about the urgency in the heart of any true believer. And I want to say that again, uh, opposed to a, an apostate believer, apostate church, a false church, or a pseudo, or whatever it is. But uh, uh, the heart of a true believer, uh, there's, there, there, it should produce an urgency in the heart in, when we have this knowledge that, listen, that, that sin has entered into the world and, and, and death by sin, that there's a death sentence upon all of his creation. There should literally, folks, be an outcry uh, of the witness of the Almighty throughout the cities of this world, knowing that there has been a collective infection of the sin, and it, that this has been sin epidemic, and it should create this worldwide pandemonium on the part of, of those gripped by literally the deadly swallows of this epidemic of sin, and it should serve literally to mobilize the saints of God in the most ambitious spiritual relief effort in history. And you have to ask yourself the question, why? If sin has entered into the world and, and death is there, open the, the, the classified advert, not the classified, but the obituaries of any, any uh, major city's newspaper, and you'll see people of all ages that, that die every single day. There'll be people in their teenagers, in their 20s, and obviously people that are, that are elderly. And, you, and I always look in those things, and I, and I think to myself, I'll look at kind of the, the obit, and kind of the things they did in their life and many times it's totally devoid of anything spiritual you know they had a good job or they had a good family or they were part of this organization or whatever else but you never uh, hear of just the testimony in most cases about their relationship with God and just who they were for Him and it's sad to think that there's not more of an outcry think about the, the abortion issue in this nation I got, I got friends that, that we support monetarily every single month that, that go to stop these type of senseless killings of, 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 of the unborn of unborn children. And you think about the type of things that, that are going on just in our nation here in the United States of America, and there's not more of an outcry. There's not more of a of a of a of a collective crying out to uh, to, to to the lost and the dying that we've got to help them in some way. And but Matthew ten twenty seven says this. Matthew ten twenty seven. He says, whatever I tell you in the dark, he said, I want you to speak in the light. 
And so, folks, we live in a darkened world. We, we live in a world that is not genuinely or truly illuminated by the power and the presence and the majesty of God. That's, that's the type of world that we live in. With, uh, turn on the television, go to a movie theater. What it is, is it's abject. It's pornography. It's, uh, it's blasphemy. You can go into to, to, to different places all around the globe and you see you know, the, the child sex trade in, in Asia and, and just heinous things. So we live in a world that is very much dark. And go to places like, uh, what is it, Reno, Nevada, or go to places like Las Vegas or Atlantic City and just the, the, the widespread uh, the gambling and just the, 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 the vice and all these type of things that are going on, the greed. Uh, go to Wall Street and just look how people are so driven by those things. When, when things crash, people are jumping out of windows and killing themselves because they've laid all their treasures up here on earth where moth and dust corrupt and thieves break through and steal. And so we, we see those type of things. And so, you know, he is telling us this truth. And as we share this word today, we're, we're not speaking light into light. We're speaking light into darkness. And so here, here we are today and we are in a darkened world. That's why he tells us that we are the light of the world and that a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. We've got a responsibility as messengers of the message of light. To take that light, not to allow people to continue to, to stumble around in darkness. Folks, listen, somebody is, is waiting for you to be obedient, to flip that switch. The church is, 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 is we've stored up, we've, we've got brand new batteries from the person of the Holy Spirit, and we've stuck them in the flashlight, and we've just shoved it in the drawer and say, one day I'm going to need that. Folks, listen, batteries will only last so long stuffed in a drawer. You know, we've had flashlights in the past that we put batteries in and went to grab it and we opened it up and all the, all the acid has, has oozed out and we just, there's this big rusty flashlight that you don't even want to touch. Folks, that's what's happened in the church. The church has been like a, a flashlight that, that God, through the rebirth and through the Holy Spirit and through repentance and faith towards God, He has put fresh batteries in us. But no one has, has instructed so many people in the church to turn that light on and be that light that shines in darkness. And we've been so afraid to use those batteries thinking if they expire then we won't have another one. Folks, listen. When you begin to use those things that God has given to you, we're, we are rechargeable spiritual batteries. Do you hear me? We're not, we're not the ones that are just used up and thrown away. We are, God has given us through His Spirit a, a, a recharging element, but they're only recharged through use. You can only charge one for so long. You know, you'll look on some of the straight. Do not charge over X amount of hours, otherwise it'll explode. Folks, it's the same thing. If if if, if we don't, uh, uh, ex- uh, you know, use all the the energy that God has given us for that, and we just continue to sit in, in a drawer, listen, we're going to rot and we're going to decompose and we're going to be totally useless and we're just going to be thrown in the rubbish pile of hell, just like those that have never known Him. And so He says, whatever I tell you in dark, He said, I want you to speak in the light. And he said, what you hear in the ear, he said, I want you to preach on the housetops. You know, you look, in the, look in the book of the Revelation in, in the, the first two or three chapters, and you'll continue to hear uh, the, the Word of God say, those that have ears to hear, let them speak unto the churches. Now, my question is, do you have, genuinely have ears to hear? Are you hearing the things that God is speaking? Are you, are you, when you read the Word, are you hearing the urgency? I think what's happened is, you know, we can sit here as, as, as people, for probably for the for most part, especially you guys that are watching live, are, are folks that, that are engaged in bringing people into the kingdom. That's just because who you are. And so when you read the Word of God, you hear through those ears. When, when you read the Word, when you hear the Scripture, when you, when you hear the Great Commission of, of Mark sixteen fifteen to go, you believe it really does say go. And so any of those things that the Word says, whether we're talking about 
here in the fifth chapter of Romans or whatever, you see that collective responsibility on, on behalf of the church to do those types because you have ears to hear. But something has, has really literally stuffed itself into the hearing of, the, of, of people in churches. And they become stiff-necked. Why? Because somebody has stuffed something into their ears, whether it's tradition, whether it's false teaching, whether it's indifference towards the lost. Whatever it is, it's stuffed their ears up. But, but he's telling us to unstop their ears and to begin to preach that word. It, and it's, it's a tough thing to do because people get so conditioned to not hear it. It's, it's like, you know, a, a, a family of a lot of children. You know, the dad may be used to watching his ball game and the, the house is being torn down around him and, and the, the mother is saying, can't you see what's going on? He's like, no, I, I didn't hear a thing. Why? Because he's conditioned his ears against the, the cries of his children. Folks, listen, the church has conditioned their ears against the cries of a dying, lost and dying world. Why do I say that? Because if they could hear what he hears, if they could hear the horrors and the screams of people that are burning in hell, do you think they could sit there week in and week out on their padded pews singing just as I am uh, every single week and thinking that they're doing something? Thinking that God is going to be pleased and God is impressed with one more rendition of the old rugged cross when they're just singing it and they're not taking it up and carrying it or presenting the, the message of the cross to a, to a, to a world that's, that's dying and, uh, and, and hell is ever enlarging itself? Do you think God is impressed with with a bigger building when hell is enlarging itself? you think God is impressed with, with a greater uh, notoriety of, of, of your name when there's, there's so many names that are not yet written in the Lamb's book of life? Come on! Who, are we, who do we think we're fooling? Do we, do we think God is impressed with, 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 with our next sermon series or, 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 or our next home fellowship group or our, 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 our fine carpets or tapestries hanging from the, the walls or, or us going into the church and saying, oh man, we sure blew the shofar loud this week. God is not impressed with those type of things. The only thing that impresses God and causes heaven to take notice is when one sinner comes to repentance. That's what causes uh, rejoicing in the presence of the angels. And so so if we think for a minute that, 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 that God is impressed with anything but rescuing lives from the grip and the snare of hell, we have been totally deceived. In our, uh, it's like cotton, spiritual cotton has been stuffed in our ears. And what my prayer is, God, please, please, number one, unstuff the ears of the pastors and the pulpiteers that are throughout this nation and abroad in, in pulpits that are going to be the voice speaking unto the people. Lord God, unstop their ears so they can hear clearly what you're speaking unto the church and what he is speaking unto the church. Repent unless I come unto you quickly and remove your candle out of its candlestick. Unless that, that, that battery rots in the drawer and I chunk you on the rubbish pile. Unless I cut down the tree and I, and I toss you as firewood up, uh, up on the coals of hell. Folks, listen. We have got to realize and there's got to be that urgency that there has been an epidemic that has struck uh, the, this world and that epidemic is called sin that is imputed and it came into the world by Adam and has been it is it has come upon everyone. It's it's a it's something far worse than the bubonic plague. It's far worse and more sinister than the Ebola virus or HIV or AIDS or whatever it may be. That there is an epidemic that is vast, killing thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people every single day. But we've got the antidote in the preaching of the gospel to the lost and dying, but we don't use it in the degree that we should. What I tell you in dark, 
speak in life that they may uh, that, that they hear what you uh, you hear in your ear and you preach it on the, the housetop folks my family and several of the Raven families were uh, living in uh, New Orleans during the time that Hurricane Katrina came and devastated literally the whole city back in 2000 about a year two years ago this month and uh, you know I was amazed after the hurricane struck you know our, our house we got flooded out Pastor Alex and Holly got flooded out my, my brother Pastor Todd and, and Christy and Pastor Thomas and Dory and and, 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 and Sue and Graham and we, we were all living there in the city we were all affected by that type of thing but, but what I was amazed by in the months afterwards was uh, the amount of relief that poured into the city of, uh, of, of New Orleans and the surrounding area from Christian churches and ministries it was, it was amazing you know, we were the beneficiary of those type of people. People brought truckloads of things for us to distribute. Food and water and clothing. Thousands and literally thousands of volunteers came in response to this, this destruction that, that resulted from the, the floodwaters and the, and the breach levees. And, you know, supplies, building materials, clothing, all those things rolled into the city literally nonstop. And, and many things are still going into the city. You know, hundreds of thousands and probably probably really uh, uh, millions of dollars were were collected and dispersed to assist in the rebuilding effort and and that stuff's still pouring in you know we ourselves i believe that you know uh we were uh, given probably over forty thousand dollars to give to other people to to buy food and everything else if we got down and put it to paper and pencil and so tons of finances came through tons of relief tons of people you know they rebuilt churches people came in homes were gutted people were were assisted by by churches and ministry to get their businesses back up and running and and just to get the community uh, the community uh, back going and so it was really nothing short of completely awesome and incredible to see how the christian community responded to such a great need Get folks, having spent personally years upon years before Hurricane Katrina, 10 years before Hurricane Katrina, witnessing in that city and, and, and living in that city before the hurricane wiped it out, uh, you know, seeing all that stuff, you know, as I rejoiced in it, as I was happy for it, and as I was glad that so many people were helped, there was such a hollow feeling inside of my heart seeing those type of things. You know, for years we begged and have pleaded with people to come to, to the city of New Orleans. Pre-2005, before the devastation. We, we've told them that, listen, this city is already devastated by the nation's highest murder rate. That, that, that there's more murders uh, per capita for a city of 100,000 or more in the city of New Orleans than any other city in the United States. Please come and help us preach the gospel in these places. It was a city that is filled with lewd and, and uh, uh, lascivious uh, behavior, that more so than anybody could imagine. You know, coming up in a month from now, they're going to have Southern Decadence, where it's just a, a party for, for homosexuality and wickedness. You know, it's overran by voodoo and the occult and all these type of things. Homosexuality is rampant. Corruption with the, the political uh, climate of the entire state. It's thousands upon thousands of people are, are trapped, not in the floodwaters of Hurricane Katrina, but by literally a, a more deadly uh, disaster. And that's uh, sin, hell, and, and death. But we begged people, please come and help. Please come to our to our outreaches during Mardi Gras when, when hundreds of thousands of people come in. But we couldn't get them to come. But people will not respond is what amazes me. They will not respond uh, if, if someone's soul is in jeopardy. But they'll respond if they don't have a roof over their head. They, they won't respond to, to someone bound by, by, by sin that's going to doom them to an eternal hell. But they'll come and they'll, they'll try to, 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 to give them a, another pallet of hand sanitizer. 
Yeah, but what about heart sanitizer that comes only from the Word of God? Folks, something is, 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 is twisted. Something is not right about that when we will not lift a finger to, to rescue someone's soul, but, but we're, we'll cry and weep if someone is stranded on top of a housetop somewhere because there's ten foot of water around them. What about when that person comes down on dry land? Are we going to do something about it now? You know, how is it that the pseudo-church can get themselves motivated to hand out water bottles to the thirsty, but they'll withhold living waters from the, the, the dying? Do you hear what I'm saying today? There's, there's something that has happened that has got to be changed, that has got to be transformed. I believe that the answer is because they are either blinded to the fact that there is a world racing towards eternal damnation, or they are not in possession of the born-again, blood-bought, compassion, pa- compassionate uh, nature that is, that, is, that is driven by knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. It's got to be one or the other. It's got to be that something has blinded them, the cares of this world, false teaching, indifference, bad preaching off of pulpits. They've either got to be blinded by that, or they are just not saved to begin with, that they're not walking in Christianity, but they're, they've embraced churchianity. And so they know the right things to say. They know the sweet things. They can go through the motions, but there is never anything inside of them. Folks, listen. We should never have to have an external force driving us with the compassion to win the lost. It should always be something inside of us because now the Holy Spirit, according to John 14, is not just uh, with us, but He is in us. He abides in us. There ought to be something that is inside of us. Therefore, with joy shall I draw waters out of the wells of salvation. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And so if the Spirit of God is in me, in the person of Christ Jesus through faith, listen, the same thing that moved him ought to move me. The same thing that told him that, listen, that because Adam sinned, sin has entered into the whole world. Everybody is dying. Everybody is desperate. Regardless of how sweet they look, regardless of how nice they look, regardless of how good they look, regardless of how religious they look, that there is something that has been that has come upon the world. They are desperate and they are need, in need of the antidote, which is the preaching of the cross of Calvary. And I've got to rise up and do something. If every single professed believer just today, just today, what is it, the 21st of August in 2007, if everybody that professed to know Jesus today would just go out it with, a, with the passion of Jesus say, listen, I'm going to take the rest of this afternoon and I'm going to go out and I'm going to share the gospel of the cross with someone. Folks, do you know what would happen with, by the end of the week? Everybody would be saved. Literally. Why? Because one will send a thousand to flight, two can send ten thousand. Folks, listen, I'm one guy and I've seen thousands of people come to the Lord Jesus Christ through my one testimony of sharing the gospel. Can you imagine if the entire church rose up and said, Listen, folks, listen, we're canceling services this Sunday morning. You've heard enough. I've invested in you week after week. Please don't show up Sunday. For that two hours that you would be here, I want you to go to your shopping mall. I want you to go to your flea market. I want you to go somewhere and with, and with the same zest, the same fervor, the same commitment that you would come here and praise the Lord. I want you to go out in those places and I want you to praise the Lord. I want you to go out there and make a commitment to stop someone and preach the gospel to them. Can you imagine if, if there was... You know we have the National Day of Prayer? Let's have the National Day of Preaching the Gospel, somebody. Listen, let's not meet you at the pole. Let, 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 let's meet you in the, in the hell hole. Let's meet you in the streets. Why is it that we find ourselves so easily motivated to do those things that strictly affect us? And we're praying for revival, but we're not out there being revival. We're, we're, we're saying God sent something, but we're saying this, as long as it's not us. Do you hear me? 
He said, he said, we pray, God, please send revival upon this nation. He said, I did. It was you, but you didn't go. Folks, sin has been uh, poured out upon this world. Sin has been, and part of this world is desperate. This world is going to hell in a handbasket. Hurricanes, earthquakes, and tornadoes, natural disasters, tsunamis are the least of man's worries. Hebrews 10.31 said, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Our goal, our desire, our passion ought to be to keep people from falling, from falling unrighteously into the hands of the living God where they will literally be crushed and separated from Him, burning in a place with, with brimstone for eternity uh, away from God. Is that, and that can't be okay with the church. Five thirteen says this. And, and I believe that this verse is, is most interesting and compelling because it's very misunderstood and, and very misinterpreted by the church. In, in verse five, uh, Romans 5.13 says this. It says, the, Until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed. Excuse me, imputed where there, when there is no law. I'll read it again. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Folks, many have tried to use this verse out of context and to say, well, if you don't know, then you can't be held accountable. Or those who have never heard the truth will not be condemned. Or... Uh, everyone has been guaranteed the opportunity to accept Christ, or, uh, or you know what, uh, you know, there's some people that if they're uh, maybe uncivilized or they're in this backwoods place and they haven't ever heard, that if they just tried their best to do something different, you know, folks, that people try to say that they try to take this thing and say, well, you know what, if they're, they're ignorant or if they haven't heard, then 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 there's no law, there's no responsibility to those things. I'm gonna I'm gonna show you this morning that that is totally erroneous. Regardless of what the famous evangelist says about, you know what, he's met people that are that that didn't know the Bible, never heard of the name of Jesus, but he said that they were saved because they tried to do good. That is a lie straight from the pits of hell. I don't care if what your name is. I don't care if your your name is Joel Osteen or Billy Graham or Troy Bond, for that instance. If if you say that there's any other way except faith in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a liar, and the truth is not in you, and you are preaching a doctrine of devils, and you will stand in judgment according to that teaching, regardless of who you are. Paul the Apostle said, he said, listen, if someone preaches another gospel except that which you have heard preached, he said, I don't care if it's an angel in heaven, he said, I don't even care if it's me, you let them be accursed. And that's what I say. If someone says that there is a way to heaven apart from faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they are liars from the word go. And no liar shall inherit the kingdom of God regardless of how unpopular they are or how religious they are or how uh, charismatic they are or how smug they are or how pious they are. The Bible is explicit on it's Jesus Christ and Him alone is our source of, 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 of salvation. And so i got to ask myself, where do people get this teaching from? In one of the places I want to I want to show you that, I, that I've heard people say for years, you'll hear it on Christian television when they're trying to do a fundraising to, to, to go into another place or uh, they're trying to get a satellite spot to, to beam a signal somewhere else. They'll, they'll quote this scripture out of the Gospel of Matthew chapter 24, verses 44 through 22, 14 through 22, 24, 14 through 22. And it says this, it says, And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end shall come. And so you'll hear people say off pulpits, and it makes for great preaching, folks, 
It really does. It makes it seem like we're so in control of when He comes back. Folks, listen. Jesus Himself said, listen, I, I don't know the day and the hour. It's not for me, but the, the Father Himself. And so the Father's not sitting somewhere tapping His watch saying, man, I sure wish they'd get busy so I can, I can send Jesus Christ back. Folks, listen, that's not the way it is. We think that we're holding Him by some leash and that one day we're going to get so holy and righteous and we're going to jerk that leash and say, okay, you can come back now. Folks, who do we think we are? Who, who, do, we, do we think that we're the omnipotent ones that, that, that we've got to do something to, 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 to set the timetable for God? God has established those things in His own will and His own time. And, and he's, he's given us signals for those things. But if we think for a minute that, listen, He can't come back until we do our job, absolutely not. And I'm going to show you why. He said this. And I'm going to show you where that's talking about. It's so out of context. He said, When you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, he said, Whoever reads this, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let them which be on the housetops not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field come back or return to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child and to those that nurse in those days. But pray that your flight is not in winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then there shall be a great tribulation. Such was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor shall ever be. And except those days be shortened, there shall be no flesh shall be saved, except for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Folks, false doctrine, or false premises, I should say, produce false doctrine. If you have a false premise that you're operating off of, you're always going to have a false doctrine built upon that. When he's teaching out of the Gospel of Matthew 24, you've got to understand, number one, your audience. The four Gospels were primarily written to Jews. Okay? It was a Jewish audience that they were written to. There are certain uh, uh, truths that are, that are extended to us in the New Covenant. But the audience in the time frame was the time of the Jews. It was a time that Jesus came to present Himself as Messiah. And so they were given that opportunity. So the message that He gave in regards to eschatology in the end times, it's not about the rapture of the church. Most of it is about the second advent. And so when it talks about him coming back, it's talking about after that great period of tribulation, before the thousand year millennial reign of Christ, it's talking about after that period of time. But he, 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 he's specifically speaking here about this gospel. It's about, and you'll read in the book of Revelation, 144,000 uh, witnesses or Jews, 12,000 from each tribe. Those are the ones that are going to be preaching the gospel throughout the world during that, that seven year period of time. And so this is not talking about this age of grace in which the church lives in. It's talking about that seven year period. It's, it, it, it specifically mentions it. It calls it the great tribulation. That's that 70th week of Daniel. That's the, that, that, that last week that they were promised to that when they rejected Messiah, that the time of the Messiah was cut, cut off. And they're going to get that final period of time after the church is taken away in accordance with, with uh, Revelation 4.1. And so when, when people say, well, everybody's got to hear it, that's, that's hogwash. You know, he, he provided it and it's our responsibility to tell people what he's talking about here where a lot of people get that from is Matthew 24, 14-22. It's talking about something that does not even apply to the church. It applies to, uh, to, to the Jews, to that Jewish nation that God made a covenant with and he's going to fulfill that covenant, that elect's sake, those people that he called out and made a covenant with them. Folks, we're not the Jews. The Jews are not us. We are the bride of Christ. Every single one of us have got to come to Him through faith in Jesus Christ. But the difference in that covenant is that we are the bride and that God is dealing with us in the age of grace and we have a new and a living way. They're going to get their final week and the gospel will be preached by those 144,000 sealed missionaries during that period of the Great Tribulation. Romans 3.23 
says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So back to that false premise that thinks that everyone has got to have a chance or a shot. And, but we, we, we've studied it uh, for, for weeks now that, listen, everyone has sinned. All is the word pas, P-A-S in, in English spelling of the Greek word. And, and it means that all-encompassing, everyone has fallen out of the way. Romans 3, 10 through 12 says it's written, there's none righteous, not even one. Not even one that hasn't heard. Not even one that's, that's uh, uncivilized. Not even one that's in, in, in the jungle somewhere. Not even one that's been cut off from hearing the truth. That, that there is none that understands. There is none that seeks after God. Do you hear me? Like the, the, the note of the evangelist said, listen, he's, he's met people that, that had never heard the Bible, that they, they've never heard of Jesus, but they had sought God and they were living an exemplary life and he considered them part of the, the body of Christ. That is... That's contrary to the Word of God. I hate to say it, but, but, but He's totally deceived. They, they are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. And there's none that do, does good. Not even one. Not one solitary individual. Then, then He says that for until the law, sin was in the world. So Paul was, was speaking that when he, when he uh, mentioned that. I want to read back that uh, Romans 5.13. He said, for until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed where there is no law. And so when Paul was saying that until the law, sin was in the world, basically what he was talking about, and it's obvious that he was talking about the law of Moses, which was given to identify, expose, and to define sin. Not to create sin. Sin was already there. He said, until the law, he said sin was in the world, but that sin was not imputed into people. In other words, people were not held responsible for every single uh, uh, uh Breaking of the law, according to what is it, Revelation 20 and 12, that, there, that every single thing that they broke, because there was no general consensus of what the law was or general rule, people were condemned because Adam failed. They were condemned already. Not because they broke this law that says thou shalt not, or this one that says thou shalt not, or this one that says thou shalt not, but they were, they were guilty uh, as charged because Adam fell and everyone fell with them. After the law came, then it was. Then people. Then it was defined that sin abounded. That law. The law became the schoolmaster to reveal sin or to make sin distinguishable or definable in those type of things. And so it was undefined, but it was still reaped the consequences of hell. Uh, and so this is saying that, that God wasn't reckoning their individual sins account counted to them, but in general everyone fell, and the consequences of that sin were hell, death, and destruction. You know, a lot of people will give that, that kind of blanket type of thing and they'll say, well, what about people? And folks, it's even about kids. We, were, we had our, our beach church on Sunday and we, we, let, we do it at the beach and so I let everybody go do their boogie board and have their fun and we had lunch. But then it came time to sit down and to hear the Word, to study the Word of God. And so we have young people that are there. We have children that are there. And so I had to call the children down. I said, listen, you had your time of fun, but now is your time to hear the Word. We're not here to build another sandcastle. Now is the time to hear what the Word of God speaks because I don't care how old you are or how young you are, you're going to be accountable on that day of judgment. And so I had to call them down. But think about what the Gospel of Matthew 19, 13 and 14 says. Chapter 19, 13 and 14. It says, But uh, then they were brought unto him little children, speaking of Jesus, that he should put his hands on them and pray, and the disciples rebuked them. It says, Get them kids out of here. But Jesus said, Suffer the children, allow the children, to, uh, and forbid them not. Don't keep them back. To come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Then he goes on to say, he, he had said in 18, uh, chapter 18, verse 3, he said, I say unto you, unless you be, uh, except you be converted and come as little children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Folks, listen. We are selling our children short by not 
bringing them to the kingdom by, by diluting it down, by, 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 by not believing that the gospel can't save them. We need to preach the gospel to our children. We do not need to take chances and say, well, one day, one day. What if they don't have a one day? We think to ourselves, listen, there's this, uh, they, they haven't reached the age of accountability. Folks, that's not in the Bible. Okay? You look throughout your New Testament, you're not going to find this mysterious age of accountability that says that suddenly somebody's going to get to some point of, 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 of understanding and then they're, then they're responsible. Folks, I, I searched for it. I, I would like it to be in there, but the, the fact of the matter is, it is not in there. We have got to preach the gospel to children. We've got to preach the gospel to elderly people. We've got to preach the gospel to, to people that we would consider uh, ignorant or handicapped or whatever it may be because there is only one way to heaven and that is through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said in Matthew 18, 6, I'm going to close with this. He said, whoever offends one of these little ones which believe in me, he said, if it were better for him for a millstone to be tied around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. That word to mean offend, it means to cause one to fall out of the way. To cause one to deviate from the prescribed path or order. Folks, listen. We, we've got to be adamant that, listen, all of sin comes short of the glory of God. Sin has come upon everyone. And there's no out for people except the out whose name is the Lord Jesus Christ. We're totally out of time today as we're talking about getting out. Folks, listen. got some advice for you today. Get into God's Word. And God's Word will get into you.